We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Windows on February 18th, 1980. It was written by Barry Siegel, directed by Gordon Willis, and released by United Artists. This movie was protested upon its release for its uh, portrayal of lesbians as insane people, which I think was a common theme for movies. Uh, it's a problem that affected cruising also later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I remember distinctly that when Da Vinci's Code came out that um, there were protests because I hadn't realized it, but um, albino people were like always villains in movies. Right, right. And uh, What about Powder? Powder was a rapist. What? No. <laughs> the guy who directed the movie was, though. Oh. <clears throat> he was. He directed because that movie. of powder. <laughs> no, I think he he directed powder afterwards, and then came out and directed Jeepers Creepers. That sounds right. <laughs> what a ride! <laughs> Quite a life that fella has led. Um, this movie was nominated for five Razzies: picture, screenplay, actress, supporting actress, and director. Didn't win any. I don't think it deserved any of those Razzies. That's a that's a pretty yeah. impressive list of nominations though. Yeah, no, it's almost the big five if there was a dude the in big, here. The big <laughs> the big five of <laughs> Razzies. Yeah. It almost one flew over the cuckoo's nested the Razzies. <laughs> did, did that was that did that get the big five? Uh I'm not sure if we got the big five I know, because uh, uh, uh Louise Fletcher for sure. Yeah. I think it uh, did. It uh, happened one night, that and Silence of the Lambs, maybe. But it, it kind of says a lot about this movie that the male lead's performance did not warrant a Razzie, so he is literally the best part of the movie, I guess. According <laughs> yeah. to the Razzies. Mathematically. Yeah. I don't Gee, know I wonder I what the that. jury of the Razzies is made up of. My guess is a bunch of dudes. <laughs> um, the soundtrack was provided by Ennio Morricone, but it doesn't save the film. No, and I and I think I feel like this was his like. Let me see what I have in the desk drawer here. <laughs> I think he did that again for hatefully. Completely unmemorable for me because yeah. I'm trying to think now of what the score was like. I for, I forgot we saw his name come up at the beginning, and now I can't. Just, I, I when I, I went recall to recall it at all. Yeah, when I rewatched the movie, I was like, oh, that's right, I forgot. I'm going to pay closer attention. I totally missed the whole score the second time. I was yeah. like, no, there's nothing here. And I disagree with your hatefully comment. He didn't deserve the Oscar for it. It should have gone to Fury Road, for I don't, sure. I don't know if it deserved the Oscar, but I enjoy the Hateful Eight and the score. It's all right. Um, we open in this cool, dark spiral with neon colors at a children's museum. Is that um, what that is? Yeah. Okay. It's a it's I, a famous children's museum in New York. I didn't know either until I was watching it the second time and yeah, paid I, closer attention. I was like, where does she work? Is I thought it was an aquarium. Her and her... Uh, husband or ex-husband the, the, the or divorce isn't divor- final but yeah um although it seems like it is and uh like as far as they're both concerned well she broke it off with him verbally at in this first shot they're mm-hmm. standing in this tunnel and she says steven we're getting a divorce and over the rest of the movie she like calls him occasionally but no one ever signs any paperwork that we right. say so um but yeah so she says i want a divorce and leaves so I feel like the husband here is, is, do you think that he's sort of meant to be like a bit of a red herring, like for the film? I didn't get that point. It's yeah, entirely possible. Neither. But it seems I mean, like every time she calls him, he's like busy, like with a team of people assembling some weird plexiglass jungle gym at the museum. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. 
I'm 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 right, I'm, right. I'm going over it in my mind and go, hmm, I wonder if that is what the intention was. Well, I mean, I, it, it probably wasn't very well done if that was the intention, but I did kept thinking, keep thinking throughout the the film that I'm like, oh, are they going to come back to him? Like, is they is he don't... is he setting this whole thing up to you know get back at her because he seemed upset about this? It seems like they also don't maintain the mystery for very long though, because by the end of the first act, we already know who was behind what's going mm-hmm. on. I guess it's possible he's like a co-conspirator or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she immediately after asking for a divorce goes straight home and is attacked yeah. immediately upon entering her apartment yeah. by a man with a switchblade. Brutally attacked. Who doesn't turn lights on when they enter their home? She well, just walks in everyone the dark. in this entire movie because this whole movie is That's true. super, super dark yeah. and when there is light, like it's very harsh shadows like cast like uh, you know light just on half their faces so mm-hmm. that they're you know very much in shadow yeah trying to be very artistic here well this uh, is directed by a cinematographer right this is, is his only one. direction yeah. yeah all of those things make sense it's actually not poorly shot though um and there's a lot of really interesting shots like when she's like leaning on the window of the new apartment yeah and it's like backing away i thought it was at least interestingly like composed but um it, it may be a little overly dramatic in maybe. some of these shots so the guy that's attacking her in her apartment sets down a tape recorder and hits record and then puts a switchblade like up to her chin and is demanding that she make these weird like sexual noises and say yes right all and, sorts he, of weird stuff. and he has her like pull her shirt down right or, or something like that he cuts her bra straps and then I wasn't clear if it went any further than that. Yeah, I'm not sure either because the police aren't there until the following morning. But we cut from that to uh, Emily's friend Andrea just running. Right. I mean, it was pretty dramatic as it is. I'm not saying that it needed to be any more than that. I mean, he's shoving, literally shoving a knife down her throat. But the the extent of the assault isn't really made clear. Yeah. Um, And we're on uh, Andrea, the the uh, next door neighbor. For so long that I was thought con- it was her. I, mean, I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm confused. What's happening? Is this? Is yeah, this a I different thought we day? were just cutting to her jogging the next day. Yeah, yes, or, exactly. Like, is this like a? I was like, I was because it's so long. Yeah, it's such a it's long. Her running across sequence. the bridge. Right, and we haven't seen this other character woman at all l- yet. Long, yeah. long enough, at least not in any amount of daylight to really know right. what she looks like. So it's it is confusing when they cut to to the to the first time we see. Um, yeah, I keep going to keep saying Andrea, but what do they call it? They, they pronounce Andrea. It? Andrea. Mm. Yeah, all the Andreas we know pronounce it Andrea. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to keep saying Andrea. So, um, but yeah, she basically jogs up to the apartment right as the police are leaving, and uh, or some police are leaving, um, but there's still two in the apartment. Um, there's uh, Lafrono and a female police officer who isn't really participating in the questioning. And Emily seems unable well, yeah, to don't, answer their questions. We couldn't possibly give a female officer lines or anything like that. that right. We don't even really, ever see her leave the apartment. Yeah, that, that was a really awkward moment when after he leaves, like we didn't, we didn't, we never go back to the female officer and we never see her leave. And it's just like, I mean, I, I guess kudos to them for having a female officer there. So I At guess all. in 1980, they were still cognizant of the fact that it'd probably be a good idea to do that. But, you know, it, it she was so so forgotten in the scene that they don't even yeah. have her leave the apartment <laughs> well and, and her her lines of like we we understand how hard this can be it's like yeah and the, the the male officer is not very kind with her when he's questioning her no and his his questions like he also makes some weird comments because up until now we haven't heard emily do any stuttering doesn't mean she didn't have a stutter the whole time but we haven't heard it and it seems like in the wake of this assault, a stutter that she has been dealing with has come back. Well, she has all these books about learning to talk with a stutter. Yeah, or... and I was unclear. So, uh, like you said, they they show the books with the stutter about the stutter, and mm-hmm. they, they make they hang on it for a while, so you get the can read each one. Right. Whenever she does stutter, it just sounds more like she's being awkward, because it's always just like a well, well. Maybe I'll do that later. Like it was, yeah. it's well, never. Yeah. I don't think that the it's actress not a very authentic really studied stutter. the the unauthentic stutter. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know if they were going for the sense that she 
is well versed in, and she's she's at a point with her stutter that she can control it mostly. And now it just kind of comes out because I thought for sure there was going to be this great climactic moment where she's in danger and she's trying to get on the phone and she's trying and she's too panicked to focus on her stutter that she can't get the information across hmm. or that oh. the stutter was going to come into a play. That would be really great. They should yeah. have put that in this movie. Instead, yeah. they were just like, <laughs> how come nobody stutters in movies? I'm going to make one of these people stutter. Let yeah. me throw a dart randomly at the script. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't need to be Michael Palin in A Fish Called Wanda. That's the best movie stutter, <laughs> that's the though. Best stutter ever. <laughs> but uh, it needed to be more than just. I think she's just an awkward, shy girl. Right, yeah, right. But um, it it almost sounds from the way the cops talking to her like that he's blaming the stutter for her inability to tell them what happened. <laughs> like I can't even tell if that's what he's implying. But he says like, "Oh, I know that you're impaired," or something like that. I know that you're at a disadvantage. And I realize it's not going to be easy for you to give us a description or to describe what he did. You're making her nervous. Like, he puts it in a weird way where it's like, are you talking about the assault or are you literally making fun of the way I talk and saying that I can't explain to you what happened? Yeah, but his line of questioning was just all around pretty terrible. There was a lot of victim blaming stuff in, in... Not just this scene, but some of the other scenes where, you know, he makes her feel really awful. It's just like, well, you should should be more careful and you should, if you don't tell us anything, we're never going to catch the guy and he's going to do it to other people or something like that. You're just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, way to make her feel so horrible that she's not going to be traumatized and not going to be able to answer you. I just don't want this to happen to anyone else. But at the end of the scene, he, he leaves his card and he leaves her in the, in the apartment with Andrea and then Andrea basically says, like, oh, why don't I get you a cup of coffee? And she's like, would it be cool if you get out of my apartment? <laughs> I yeah. just want to be in here by myself for the first time in 12 hours. Well, and and she also plants the seed of you don't have to tell them anything because they'll never catch him anyway. Right. Like, she's trying to which cover her own Which is just as tracks. unhelpful as what the cop said. I love his card, too, which is just a card that says where they are with it. Like, it's typed. just the address of the precinct. Yeah. Yeah. His name's just typed on there. Like... Just, here we do, just, just, just throw it your, in a typewriter and yeah. type your name a few times if you need business cards. Um, but yeah, so she, after Andrea leaves, she basically just packs up and moves to another apartment. Um, it seems like she must have a lot of money. Like her and her husband work at a children's museum, but she's able to maintain an apartment by herself. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, she gets a second apartment. And a better one. Like, yeah. And it's much better, and it's the cat-free apartment. Mm-hmm. She just goes and signs up for another apartment, and the guy's like, remember, no pets. And she's like, oh, I guess I have to keep both apartments mm-hmm. because my cat lives in the other one. Oh, I didn't get that from that scene at all. I think she was just like, oh, okay. And she was going to continue moving and then sneak the cat in. And it meowed in the elevator, and like the lady was like staring at her like, you know, this is a... You know, cat free place. And then, yeah, she brought the cat to the other apartment. That's true. Which is what later she's, you know, it disappears. And, and the, that's the, right. The officer's there at her new apartment and says, sees her with the bag and says, you can let the cat out of the bag now. Oh, yeah. That's that terrible. Line. Line. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also like how condescending it is. Like, it's like, well, this place will look really nice when you fix it up. <laughs> and it's like, fix it up. It looks fine. Yeah. Like, what do this you This is as clean as it's ever going to be. <laughs> I have to put stuff in here now to I have live. a cat. But yeah, she she Emily meets her new neighbors because her phone's not set up yet. She asks if she can borrow their phone and she tries to call Steven, but realizes as soon as she calls him that these two people are super rude mm-hmm. and sitting there yeah, hanging on every word the of the most conversation. Awkward conversation with your about to be ex-husband. Yeah, right. But like, I think all she was calling to say was I moved to a different apartment if you're trying to reach me. Mm-hmm. Well, but, she wanted help moving. She wanted him to send people from the museum to help her move. Yeah. And but he's like, he's like we're that. too busy. I can't. I don't have time. Yeah, to do and that, that seems like a pretty big ask. But something else happened in the last twenty four hours that she doesn't mention to him that right. might affect his answer to that question. <laughs> but um, instead, he's just like, whatever. Just go live where you're gonna live. And uh, and then she hangs up and she's like, thanks for letting me use your phone. And they're all there's a payphone downstairs. Yeah. Um, and she's like, sorry, I didn't know. Uh, but I think that was just. Mostly to introduce these two neighbors at the same time as show like this uncomfortable situation she's been put in. Right after she leaves the apartment of her neighbors, we get this shot of Andrea sitting in a car listening to the tape that the attacker made. Mm -hmm. So from this point on, we know that she was 
involved and right here was where my like immediately i was like oh so she paid that guy to do that because she's like yeah. obsessed with her yeah and then you keep thinking oh it's gonna get deeper than that though there's right. gonna be like other exactly. la- layers to <laughs> yeah. this and it's like no 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 that's nope, the extent that's, of the whole that's story that's the only layer there's so the last no twist more. has happened already <laughs> it's, it's one of those onions that only has one layer <laughs> i think they're called funyuns <laughs> I guess they don't really have layers. I don't know that the the rapey movie is called Funyuns. That was actually the original title. <laughs> and then uh, they were like, what they the were fuck? sued by Lay's. But it is called Windows for not very good reasons. You want to know why it's called Windows? Because sometimes the apartments have windows. <laughs> That's part of it. Also, the director was a fan of the title Windows, and they almost used it on the movie Interiors which he was the cinematographer for, for Woody Allen's interiors. And they threw out the title and he's like, I always liked that title. I'm going to make a movie and call it windows. It's a good place to start. Start with the title. That's, that's only how Boulder Dash movies come to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what they say? Windows are the eyes to your apartment. (laughs) (laughs) You have to flip it completely around. I want that. I want, I want a poster of this movie though. Now with that tagline. (laughs) (laughs) whatever their tagline was it wasn't that good um so now emily goes back to her house to get some stuff and to try and call steve again in the privacy of an apartment and uh andrea shows up and she knocks on the door and uh and she lets her in and they're talking for a minute and then someone else knocks on the door and she asked who it was the first time right and waited for andrea to answer but this time she doesn't ask she, and or she asks but doesn't wait for any kind of a response mm-hmm. undoes she the latch undoes the latch and opens the door even though less than 24 hours ago she was attacked in this apartment right and a hand comes through the opening and just tries to grab her at which point it's like okay we already know that andrea paid this person or is at least involved in this person's actions what is the benefit of having this person come back oh, well so she could save her she want she wanted her to trust her friend so because andrea but like it's slammed... just so dangerous to your plot to have the guy come back to the no, scene of the crime she wanted to be the hero so she had him come back and she you know smashed his hand she up. smashed his hand in the door you know enough to get him to go away so she is able to demonstrate that she can pr- protect emily yeah either way it just seemed like a needless endangering of the whole plot to have the guy come back to the scene of the crime yeah. see i i i did not get that it makes more sense, but I, I just thought that he was coming back to uh, to keep her, get her to be quiet, like like that he was going to kill her. Oh no! To, I think to, this to, was to cover up his what he did. I mean, obviously, we know that she, you know she, she's paying she's him to do paying it. him and hired him, so she wanted to put on a show. Yeah. So she asked him strategically to come back when she was there. Right. But that's like because because he's and he comes in injured. like two minutes after her yeah but it, i but don't it, think he, she probably told him what she was going to do uh, to him. but i but then he sticks it out like he really still tries even though she's yeah. hurting him so it's impressive well maybe after the first time she slammed the door on his hand he was legitimately that angry that he was like all right i'm gonna get in there now i'm gonna yeah. kill both of them yeah he doesn't seem like the brightest bulb no because he doesn't recognize her later yeah. right it's like <laughs> the the person that you've met at least twice now so after this happens, um, they go to speak to the police. Uh, she speaks to them at, at their office um, and says, the guy came back, just sort of fills the cops in on the whole situation. He came back, but Andrea was there and stopped him, and I'm, I left the apartment. Um, but she doesn't tell them where she's going to. Mm-hmm. And she, um, well, Andrea, at this when when the guy was attacking, was trying to convince her, it's like you have to come live with me now. Right. Yeah. Like so, I think that was kind of her plan all along was to like scare her out of this apartment, but like thinking into that her own I'm I'm going to protect you, so come live with me. Yeah. Um. So she goes back to her apartment after she talks to the police, and and the doorman tells her, "Oh, your friend brought all your stuff, and she has your cat." So um, it's all up in your room. She did. She made two trips and she brought everything from your house over here. Right. Super creepy. Like how, like I know that she said. How did you get the new address? Right. Like she, she just vaguely said, oh, I moved across town. Like it's on the other side of the bridge. Like she didn't give her any specifics. So she figured that out somehow. But so she's got all of her stuff except for her cat. So she decides she's going to go back to Andrea's place to get her cat. And, uh. Andrea's like wearing a bathrobe and drinking a big glass of wine and just mm-hmm. 
trying to seduce her into staying in this in this much nicer house than even her like upgraded apartment like it's it's super fancy like it's yeah. rich high end yeah house. but is it the same building it's the apartment across the hall I it's don't like think that it much is bigger the same building no okay she's I don't somewhere think else so. Yeah, because when she, she calls her later, she's like, you need to come down here. Like, you need to come all the way to my building. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not fully dressed. Like, I can't come to your apartment. And it's like, if it was across the hall, she would just be like, yeah, I'll be right there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so the next morning, um, Emily is leaving her home again. Um, and she's she sees Andrea... And tells Andrea that she's not going to see, she's not going to see this psychiatrist anymore that Andrea's yeah, seeing. Doctor Marin. Doctor Marin. Like she's trying to get them to both go to the same psychiatrist or something. Probably so that she can either get a hold of her file or try to squeeze Doctor Marin for information. Sure, maybe that's what it was. It's kind of an awkward meeting though, because like it's clear that Emily wasn't expecting her because she's just on her way out of the yeah. building, like running out to do something else. And as um, Andrea's walking in, as she's getting out of a cab, right, and then she flags that in. cab down, and then Emily flags the same cab down yeah. that that Andrea just got out of. And then it seems like the connection is that Andrea uses this same cab driver all the time because. Well, she was probably paying him off, or well, yeah, she was. She was so so when she gets so when Emily gets in this vehicle, uh, in, into the cab, she um, you know has has kind of keeps trying to have a conversation with the cab driver, mm-hmm. um, you know, until she realizes that you know this is this is the man that assaulted me, and you know, and then so I think that the the implication would be that Andrea was meeting with him, and for some reason in the cab, yeah. and then got out. But we're intercutting back and forth with um, Emily is in the cab with the man who attacked her driving it. And Andrea is being crazy in her psychologist's office. Right. Um, And she's like, just sort of, we're getting little bits and pieces of her character motivation. But yeah. So at this point, Emily realizes who, who the cab driver is. She can see the, the injured hand. She recognizes at least the voice or his face, and he says he recognizes her. Yeah. Uh, so she asks to make a phone call, and I thought for sure she would not get back in this cab. Yeah, I was like, "What are you doing? You have all the information you need right now." <laughs> well, she can't now. drop a pin. It's 1980, so she can't like be like, "Hey, I'm in a cab right now. Can you guys come get him?" So she has to get out and call on a payphone. But you don't know where the cab driver is going to take you. At this point, because he has to be suspicious. Well, if, like he, must be if suspicious. he doesn't recognize her, then... Or, I mean, if he doesn't completely recognize her, mm-hmm. then he might just take her where she asked him to, yeah. to take her. But she has the cab, the cab company, the cab number, the guy's name. She doesn't need yeah, to... Yeah, this like, is more right, than enough information it, to right? be done. But yeah. instead, she she doesn't want to be awkward she or look, or make, the, make him suspicious. And so she gets back in with him and keeps going luckily where what was she headed to the police station well she just no, she's heading to her apartment and she just tells him to stop somewhere and the police are there yeah, yeah. because it gets to the point where he's 100 percent sure who she, who she is and so she tries to open the door and he slows the car down because he doesn't want her to just fall out for some reason he should have just wanted her to fall yeah out, or just stepped on the gas and been like no you're not getting out of this car now it's too late but um but yeah so the cops get the guy and they take him down to the station and then we get this weird quick scene where he's like oh he says he was working with someone else and he's and he's not going to give up the name unless we drop all the charges and it's like well no just tell him no because that's not how crime works (laughs) and you also like maybe for a lighter sentence you can give up yeah. like the person right. that's like, in charge but we're not going to drop all the charges you're the one to that... get a second assailant like we already have the assailant right mm-hmm. you're the one that committed the crime any of your conspirators you know although guilty didn't actually do it they just paid you to do yeah. it <laughs> they could get a lighter sentence if they gave you up but not the other way around right lafrono the cop keeps making house calls to check on emily right and make sure she's okay and he's managed to figure out her new address he's getting really flirty with her the cop is yeah because you know what's always really good is to take your assault victims out on a date that's like the right. first thing they teach you in cop school is like <laughs> nothing gets a girl hotter than attempted rape and so 
they're immediately having a romantic dinner together in her new apartment. Right. Yeah. And under the watchful eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love this trope of the uh, ring to let you know that you're looking through a single o- ocular yeah. device. Like, not, they're not. It's not binoculars because yeah, there's it's, not. It's two not a Venn rings. diagram of visibility. <laughs> this is a circle, so I know it's, it's a telescope. Right. One ring. But we're like two thirds of the way through this movie before we pull out the telescope, which would be the only indication as to why this movie is called Windows. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're, we are getting, like, uh, these rear window-style shots of the yeah. side of her building. Well, she also grabs hold of the telescope as she's looking through it. It's like, that's don't not... Touch it. Don't touch you don't, it. You don't touch it once you got it locked it's in. It's, it's not going to stay pointed at the window. It's going to wobble all around. <laughs> because later on, we see how free-flowing this telescope is. It's right. not very secure at all. Yeah, you could just, like, grab it off of the stand and throw it around the room if you yeah. wanted to. Um, but she sits there and watches them have dinner. And after they eat dinner, they watch a movie, now Voyager. Uh, w- which is great on like a 10-inch television. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what the line was. But at the end of the movie, like the characters have this really sad back and forth where one of them says like, Oh, do you think you'll be happy here? And she's like, Oh, let's not trouble ourselves with whether or not I'll be happy. And will you be happy, Charlotte? Oh, Jerry, don't let us for the moon. We have the stars. <laughs> yeah it's just like it doesn't matter if i'm happy what matters is we're together it's like no 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 that's not what matters <laughs> betty davis no uh but i love how she gets all despite watching this on like 10 inches of she's screen sobbing she's like sobbing it's like how could you, it's also like 10 feet away from them yeah the tv is like on the opposite side of the room it's well like, she has you, no furniture but but like, it's like how just can you get on your like that's lay the, on your belly and Go up to the TV with it's your like, eyes. I, I have a laptop in my lap right now that's bigger than that television. I have to have it this close to see anything on it. <laughs> and then we have this TV that's way far away. Yeah. Um, so on, on their next date, because they have multiple dates in this apartment, uh, Emily pretends that she's out of coffee because she's trying to get the cop to leave because she wants she to be alone for the night just assaulted like the guy keeps like lingering like, yeah all right is this gonna go anywhere it's like dude give the girl some space but i love the gesture she does to pretend she's out of coffee because she takes this big coffee can and she's like oh sorry i'm out of coffee and like shakes it upside down like look nothing fell out of it it's like why do you why did you keep the can <laughs> why are you doing this and uh before he can leave she gets a phone call from Andrea watching them, but she doesn't say anything until the phone is handed to the cop. Right, Andrea and, doesn't say anything. Right, mm-hmm. Andrea doesn't say anything. Um, and she's like, well, that's weird. There's nobody on the phone. Here, you talk to nobody. <laughs> and gives the phone to the cop. And then the cop hears a woman's voice say, you stay away from her. You like Don't touch her. Yeah. 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 And uh, and he's like, oh, nobody. And then hangs it up. <laughs> so, but that's Which interesting. threw you off a it lot. It threw me off because when he's like, oh, nobody's there. You know, maybe it was just his line read or something like that. I'm like, oh, oh, crap. Like, he's in on this too? Is she yeah. like... Are they're fighting you know, over her? And they're fi- yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, he was like sent in to try to like, you know, another ploy on Andrea's like, you know, to, to like, you know, make her rush back to her arms and like... But... That's not what's happening. No. That you know, we keep. I keep. I he kept, just didn't want to freak her out. I kept looking for some deeper, like you know, plot here, and it really like, is. Oh, just, here comes that twist we've yeah. been waiting for. Oh, here's that interesting moment when it's just like she wants to drive you back to me and like get. Yeah, you know, no, no, none of that. No, nope, none of it. Um. So the next thing we see is her getting home to her apartment, and um, or no, she's in the apartment with Ida, her neighbor. And she calls the police and says, hey, so I'm here with Ida, one of my neighbors. And she says that they heard weird sounds coming from my apartment. And she sent her husband down to check on it. And he never came back. And that was like two hours ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And while she's on the phone with the police, like Ida is kind of in denial a little bit. Just being like, oh, no, it's totally normal. It's nothing to worry about. And then she collapses and ends up hospitalized. But... um, but her husband is missing and also the cat is missing. So maybe when he opened the door, the cat got out and he spent chasing the cat all afternoon. Right. But yeah, so we don't know what happened here, but everybody's missing all of a sudden. Um, 
then all the police are swarming the building because they do find the the yeah. husband's body in a refrigerator like in the basement or parking below the building it was in a refrigerator it was it was a refrigerator it in was? the basement yeah, yeah. Kids, oh. kids were not paying attention to that psa and playing inside the refrigerator well, that punky brewster episode had not come out yet <laughs> you're fine remember you were playing hide and seek and you got locked in the refrigerator and there was a G.I. Joe episode also that yeah. had also not aired. You, you're the ringleader. G.I. <laughs> Joe! Oh. But yeah, so they had a bunch of, like, there's a, there was more than one refrigerator in this parking yeah. garage. Um, but they, <laughs> they, he was in the one covered in blood. Yeah. So they, they Why didn't I check there first? <laughs> and then he says, you need to check all of the refrigerators on the whole building. And he's like, why you're expecting more bodies and he's like no a cat and then he leaves um did he really say that he did yeah, oh, yeah. i totally missed that line because yeah. and again like he pat said like this apparently there's a lot of refrigerators in this yeah. basement well that i feel like that line would have ruined it for me because i was not expecting <laughs> what happens next? what happens next <laughs> yeah um for some reason the psychiatrist that she's been seeing is visiting andrea at her very fancy apartment and she pulls out a very cool looking knife. Yeah. Um, that you said was over sharpened. Oh, well, it, yeah, it looks like a knife that had used to be much bigger and got sharpened down to a very this interesting cool, shape. This cool, like, scimitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and she kills him. And leaves a perfect bloody handprint impression on the glass. Right. I, at this point, it seems like she's at the, the, the final stage of, like, a serial killer's momentum where you just lose it and you stop caring about the evidence that you're leaving behind. he was literally trying to get her to go to an institution that night. Like, that's yeah. why he was there. He was there to pick her up so that they could go. And he's like, oh, I'm so glad you've just, you've made this decision to go get help. And I'm glad you're going to go willingly. Yeah. But, and, but at this point, the, the time between when she kills Dr. Marin and, and the climax of this movie, which is coming up fast, uh, Someone in that building would, had to have noticed the big bloody handprint right. on the front door and then started looking, making inquiries through the building, found the doctor's body in Andrea's apartment. Right. At and this point, it's irrelevant. there must be a warrant or a person of interest. Andrea must be a person of interest at this point. Right. But yeah. this is like the last scene in American Psycho where he's just killing people all over the place. It's like, it doesn't matter. This is the like, this is the end game of my serial killerness. But, but, but there's a 24 hours elapse and there's not, but she, she goes to an apartment that no she one knows. Goes she to, has. Yeah. She got but, a different apartment, but no one's even considering her as a suspect for anything. That's true. The and, cops don't figure anything out until the next day. Cause, Cause even that he's like, he's trying to figure out who, who this person could be or who she could be with. And but that's we'll like, the, of we'll course, Scooby-Doo here. style. The only other person that we've seen in the whole movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, she she kills her psychiatrist and we cut back to Emily in her apartment getting ready to cook something. Yeah. And she goes to open the freezer and we see what I'm pretty sure is a 100% authentic dead cat. Yeah, that, that was a pretty authentic looking yeah, frozen if it's, cat. If it's not a real cat, it's the most convincing prop I've ever yeah. seen. But but I love the sound it makes when it hits the ground. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's, it's covered in fur. The fur wouldn't freeze like solid, so it would have a muffled sound. It sounds literally like a dinner plate hitting the floor. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like you dropped a... A jade cat on the floor. Yeah, I was half expecting it to make that that, that sound like a. <laughs> that would be so great. But, so she's so traumatized by this that she she call does she call Andrea or does Andrea call? She her? does. She calls. Yeah. Well, well, she, she tries to call the, the cop, and then the the dispatch tells her he's not here. Yeah, but then she says, "Have him call me," and then she hangs up. It's like, oh yeah, call who? Who? who who is this? Who what is you? this? It's like obviously if he said, "Oh, a distressed woman called here and said to call her back," he's going to know who it is. But for that guy, he would have just been like. I don't understand. Someone called for you. But so then, he, no, then Andrea calls her because she's... No, she calls Andrea. She calls Andrea? Yeah. And says... I think she calls Andrea. No, no Andrea, Andrea calls, calls her because she's watching through the because telescope. Because she's watching through the telescope and she knows what just happened. And um, and that because she's not at her house. She's at this other apartment that she got that, yeah. that overlooks right. Emily's new apartment. Right. Um, so, and she says, hey, oh, I'm, can you, you come here and help me? And she says, oh, I'm... I'm not at home. I'm I'm uptown. Right. I got this new apartment. I'm I, I'm not dressed. You should come over here. It'll be faster. 
And then what really bothers me is she just picks up and goes. I'm like, you yeah. just left that cat defrosting on your floor. Put it back in the freezer, lady. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, <laughs> it's going to be totally worthless tomorrow. <laughs> and, and I love you that. You got to cook the cat right away <laughs> or otherwise it's so good. You can't refreeze the cat after you thought it. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that was just one of its lives. Uh, she writes down the new address, but apparently can't remember it because then she just rips the whole page out of her little Rolodex. Yeah. It's a I, Rolodex. You wouldn't rip a page out of a Rolodex. Well, yeah. She and, would. And, and you can't remember a street name and a number because that's really all you would need. Yeah. Uh, and she it's, rips it's it It's not out. like this is Los Angeles where all the streets like intersect each other at 12 degree angles. <laughs> like this is New York. It's just a big piece of graph paper. Yeah. Um, I thought this was going to be a really great Big Lebowski kind of reveal moment when he figures out the the page is missing, but we'll get yeah. to that in a second. Because there's a lot that happens in between. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean by Big Lebowski moment. I just figured that out. Because <laughs> uh, he comes back to the apartment, finds the cat, and just starts making like inquiries. Find out all the cats who made pickups. I want a list of everyone who's bought a telescope. Yeah. It's, like, well, it's the middle of the night. How is somebody going to find a list of... It's 1980. How do you find a list of everyone that's bought a giant telescope yeah, in the last Yeah, usually few they days? didn't publish the, the weekly telescope purchases until <laughs> 6 a.m., <Yeah>. so... <laughs> I'm just saying. He must have like, got an advanced copy. I don't know who keeps track of that stuff, first of all, because, you know, it's good. It's 1980. People are buying things in cash, like, not... There's no records of these transactions. Yeah. Even if you were to get a hold of a store owner, like, who the hell has that? Yeah. It's like, describe everyone who's bought a telescope. Yeah, or it's like, you go to buy a telescope and say, oh, I'm sorry, this is a controlled substance. You're going to have to give me your name and your driver's license. No, it's a telescope. You walk in, you <laughs> pay, you pay $900, and they here's go, here's your telescope. Or at the last second, you change your mind and spend all that money getting Patrick Dempsey to date you for a week or whatever. <laughs> What's that movie, Can't Buy Me Love? Where I don't know. Patrick Dempsey... Buys a girlfriend. What does that have to do with a telescope? He was going to get a telescope. Was he was it? saving up for a telescope, and then he spent all the money paying a girl to pretend to be his girlfriend. Oh, okay. It made sense, guys. Oh, I just it, screwed it, it up. That was either a really expensive telescope or a really cheap girlfriend. I think it was like Christy Swanson or something, so must have been a really expensive telescope. Because, you know, I have a really decent telescope, but it's only like $250. Well, you could pay someone to be your girlfriend for a week for $250. Where were we? <laughs> Uh, well, he's making inquiries, and we're playing the waiting game as far as the police action is concerned. Meanwhile, but, but Emily's story is unfurling yeah. a mile a minute. She gets to the apartment, the new apartment, which looks like a weird like it. It was an apartment from one angle, but then when she walks in, it's all like wood panel, it's like a spa. It looks like a log cabin. Place. Yeah, log cabin. <laughs> there, there's a lot of exposed brick. Millennials will be crazy about this right yeah, now. I, I liked it. I'm a millennial. <laughs> It's, it feels like a very warehouse loft kind of apartment. Yeah. Um, and so Emily walks in and there's basically a door open to a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And the implication is that she's literally mid-shower when Emily walks in. There's just steam pouring out of an open bathroom door while she yeah. takes a shower. And uh, Emily walks over to the telescope in the corner of the room, which when she looks through it, sees that it's pointed directly at her apartment window. But... Um, I can see my house from here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, Andrea. Um, but uh, but at the last second, oh, switcheroo, she's not in the shower. She yeah. just turned it on to for no reason to trick you for no mm-hmm. tactical advantage. she's not wet at all. Yeah, she's just well. standing in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> not visibly. <laughs> but, uh, the steam was coming. <laughs> oh my God. The shower's not even on in there. Um. But when she looks through the telescope, she sees that the cop is in her apartment trying to, like, look around. And she sees him slip on the cat. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good, though. Whoop! <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, uh, Andrea's basically... The jig is up. Um, she's just full-on crazy mode, explaining all of her feelings and... Um, does she even admit to having paid the guy um, to attack she, her and everything? I, she, I don't know if she admit. I don't think she admits it, but she says all the same things yeah, that she, he does. Right? Yeah. She so repeats all the lines that he does, which I feel it's like to confess implies it. that she really distinctly told him exactly what yeah, he wanted. Yeah, she gave to him say. a script for sure. Yeah. 
But it, I, oh my gosh, though that moment when she's like saying those oh, lines yeah. and say, that shot went on forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a two minute shot of her just screaming for her to do what she's saying, and she basically gets to a point where she says like. Oh, so you paid that guy to attack me. And she's like, he didn't attack you. I told him not to hurt you. He couldn't hurt you. I could never hurt you. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it basically comes out that she couldn't ever hurt her. Yeah. And so she's just like, oh, so you're you're threatening me for no reason because you could never hurt me. Meanwhile, this goes on the entire night. Yes. Until the next morning. And there's, there's no, like, cops busting in moment. No, it, it's... The, the police, he still hasn't figured it out. The cops still right. hasn't figured it out right. by the next because morning. Because he wanted a list of people who bought telescopes. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And and now Talia Shire is awake in the morning. They're they're awake together. And she says, uh, Andrea says something along the lines of, we just spent the night together. Yeah. I was like, wait. You guys did, have just been standing there all night? But I, I thought the, the implication was that did they did they have sex? No, 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 no. I think she was just being coy, like with that line. Okay, just being like, like I finally got oh, you to stay the night. Spent, yeah, we finally spent the night together. But literally, they just okay. were in the same room all night, just shouting at each other. Yeah, and at this point, this is when the police officer starts to re- to reveal the Rolodex. Right, and where you push the letter and it pops open to the page. Right, you slide the, you slide the little pointer to the correct letter of the alphabet, and you hit a button, and it pops open, holding that page mm-hmm. to to that letter open. And when he tries to go to G, it keeps going past G to H because the G pages are torn. Uh, but he discovered yeah, a missing page. But it was page. already on G, and he notices it. So I only needed it in one instance that it's on H. He closes it, and it's on G. I would immediately go. That's strange. G is missing. I wouldn't put it to H, open it, close it again, then put it to G, open it, and close it again. Yeah. I was like, no, I already got it. You should already have it too. No, well, like, you're smarter well, this than is the this 80s. cop. <laughs> you needed to spell it out for people, literally. Um, but she, uh, he doesn't do what you were expecting well, and kind not, of what I was what expecting What I was expecting too, too yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I was waiting for him to do a pencil rubbing on the page to find the address. Because yeah. he knows that she wrote something on G and tore it out. Mm-hmm. So you would do a rubbing on the H page and you would get a picture of just a dude jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> but she could have written it down on any letter. Like, it just happened to be... If it was literally able... just an address, like, it didn't have to be on that Yeah, it didn't page. have to be, oh, hold on, I have to make sure I put this under your name, for your put your new address under your name, even though I'm going to tear this page out anyway. Yeah. It made no sense for it to be on G. Right. But even that information is useless to them, because, meanwhile, you know, across the alley, like, they, they eventually figure out, oh, it's G, Who do, who who's a G, who's a G? Mm-hmm. Oh, that Andrea girl, oh... Where does she live? Oh, she has an apartment here, here, and there, right there outside the window. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh my gosh, well, the person who called me that one time must have been able to see, so that's probably her place. Let's go over there. But it w- it's irrelevant when they show up because yeah. nothing was about to happen. They literally fade from her, the two girls facing off in the apartment to her just walking with the cop outside the building. Right. But he, So he actually gets... The, the list of cab drop-offs, though. And this is part that I'm like, why do we even have this scene? Because he gets the addresses of all the pickups that happened at that time and place. Right. At general time and place. And all the places they were dropped off. And one of them is Andrea's address. But he's like literally looking at a map, comparing these addresses. Like, yeah, none of these would have a view of her apartment. But one of, one them, of them clearly does. does. And, and then he gets... Then he figures out later that that is the address. It's like, oh, wait, that one sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, that was one of the cab drop-offs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but And that's basically the end of the film is them walking away from the building like, well, I'm glad we got that settled. Yeah, and I, then they I, walk across the bridge. Yeah, uh, the, the Brooklyn Bridge is just everywhere in this movie. That's the real villain of this movie. Yes. This is looming over. Um, Should have been called Bridges. <laughs> really? I agree. Because... It's th- that that bridge is the the, the distance, the span yeah. that they had. The to windows cross. are what separate us. The bridges bring us together. That's right. This is one of those times where a movie they, where they completely roll the credits over action of just something happening. Yeah, which to me is just like an incredible waste of film. You always hope that it's 
the last shot, like the martini shot of the whole movie. So at least the actors can be walking like, okay, as soon as we're done getting the shot, like we can all go back to our our lives. lives. Like this, this, is, this is the, this the last end of thing of the movie. You, I would save that for the end of the shoot if I was the the production manager. How long are the credits going to be? We don't know. Just keep walking. <laughs> you never know when more people are going to show up and work on set. I want I want them I want somebody to do that now. Like bring that style back. Like I want uh you know, Christopher Nolan movie to end with somebody walking away for 15 minutes as mm. all the credits to his movie. Run. No, his movies <laughs> end with ambiguous hard cuts. That's the rule for him. I can't remember how long Michael Clayton's goes on for. Michael Clayton goes on for a while. Yeah. Where it's just on George Clooney's face the whole time while the credits are rolling. Yeah. Great um, film, Michael Clayton, if you haven't seen it. I don't think I have, actually. Um, He directed that, right? Uh, I don't recall, actually. No, Tony Gilroy. Oh, okay. I think he directed that one with, it's it's like a... The Monuments Man? No, it's the one, it's his face on the Time magazine, like with... Ides of March. Ides of March. I think Clooney directed that one. I don't think he did. No. Okay. We're just going to keep listing movies. He directed Leatherheads, I think. Ah, he did direct Ides of March. Ha! I win. (laughs) Fine. We're cutting that part. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I could never win. Um, Like we said before, uh, the director of this film, Gordon Willis, uh, didn't direct anything else. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, eh? yeah. I knew I was going to work it's it. It's funny because the director. I I don't know if you heard the director's name was Willis too. <laughs> I was just going to say it. <laughs> you were just going to say it, <laughs> Willis. Um, just say it. Yeah, but so he he obviously we said before he was a cinematographer on a bunch of Woody Allen movies actually, um, but he worked on Interiors, which was originally called Windows, and now this movie is. He also worked on Manhattan um, and the Money Pit. The Money Pit? Did he do the Money oh, Pit? Oh, really? He also did the whole Godfather trilogy and uh, all the President's Men. So he a lot of credits. But I feel like after this movie, he immediately was like, oh, oh, not a director, not a director. I'm going to go back to being acclaimed. Um, <laughs> the writer, Barry Siegel, also no other writing credits. Um, Talia Shire as Emily Hollander, obviously lots of stuff. Mm. She was the, the daughter of the Godfather getting married at the beginning of the first film. Um, she is Francis Ford Coppola's sister. She was Adrian on the Rocky films, and she is the mother of Jason Schwartzman yeah. in real life and in the movie I Heart Huckabees. Oh, really? Oh, she's yes. so great she's, in I Heart Huckabees. That's yeah. amazing. She, I think she's adorable in this movie. She is. She's very, um, uh, what's her name from The Shining, E? Shelley Duvall. Shelley, Shelley Duvall. Yeah. <laughs> Scatman Crothers. <laughs> That's her name. I always forget her name. Scatman Crothers. <laughs> Joe Cortese as Bob Lafrono. Um, he was Rasmussen in American History X, and he plays a character, a recurring character named Sal on Always Sunny. But other than that, not a lot of huge roles. Um, Elizabeth Ashley was Andrea Glasson, who um, she was on a lot of soap operas. But most recently, the thing that I really liked her in was Ruth on Russian Ruth. Doll. Huh. Ruth on Russian Doll. That's her, the friend of the family psychiatrist woman who she's always checking oh, in with. Yes, That's her. She was great. That's the. Oh, yeah. I didn't recognize her. And, and seeing her young makes her a perfect choice for like, she could very easily have been Natasha Leone's mother on that show, mm-hmm. but she's not the mother. But they they look very similar. Right, she's and, supposed to be her aunt. Yeah. Well, the Wikipedia page says close friend of the family. Oh, so I thought she. I thought she, she refers her to her as her aunt, or she might have been like, oh. like how Richard is, Uncle, Uncle Richard. Richard. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay, so Kay Medford, the neighbor, was Ida Marks. This was her last film. Um, she was nominated for a supporting actress Oscar for her role in this film. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> as Rose Bryce and Funny Girl, she was also Happy in Butterfield Eight. And she plays Rhodes' first wife in Face in the Crowd. That's that movie that I just watched pretty recently with like Andy Griffith going crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Michael Gorin plays Sam Marks, the husband who went missing. Um, he will have two more movies in his career. Um, Hero at Large, which we will cover later this year. And Stardust Memories, which is also this year. So his last two movies, his last three movies were all from 1980. Um, Russell Horton played the uh, the ex-husband or soon-to-be ex-husband Steve Hollander 
Um, he's in Annie Hall. He's the guy in line who doesn't know anything about Marshall McLuhan. Oh, yeah. Who That's gets crazy. in an argument with uh, uh, Woody Allen. Um, he also played Mr. Milk Toast in Cat's Eye. I don't know what character huh. that is because I'm not familiar with that movie. Uh, I am hyper familiar, but I don't remember a character named Mr. Milk Toast. Yeah, I don't remember that character either. Um, and Rick Petrocelli, who plays Obekney, the the attacker, um, he doesn't have a lot of credits, but weirdly also in that line in the movie scene in uh, Annie Hall. Oh, okay. He's oh, really? just like, I looked so, at a picture of it and he's just standing like four people in front of Woody Allen <laughs> in the movie that's line. That's funny. So Gordon Willis knew this guy somehow. Yeah. Like probably saw, saw him on the he set. Had, he had obviously, a lot of laughs. Yeah, he did a like, bunch of connections. How would you like to play a rapist? It might have just been like, hey, uh, Woody needs extra people for the line. And he just called his like three best friends in town and was like, come on down here. You can be a Woody Allen movie. Um, and then he used them for his own movie because that's what a friend would do, right? Um, but yeah, I think that's everything I have for this one. Jess. Yeah. Up or down? Um... Like, do I recommend watching it? Yeah. Uh, I don't think you need to. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a pass. Skipperino. <laughs> that's that's three no's. Um, Letterbox, is this better or worse than just tell me what you want? Well, for me, uh, it's better because I just really don't like just tell me what you want. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. Better than just tell me what you want for sure. Um. Please don't tell me you're thinking about it. <laughs> I'm going to consider this. Where did I put it? Yeah, this is above. Just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's everything for this one. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Or as I said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. You can also find us at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show at Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing a movie that doesn't have a trailer. Ordinarily, this is where the trailer for the next movie would go, but... Search as I did, all I could find was the Spanish language version, and it's a really weird scene that doesn't even make any sense out of context. So next week we're going to be discussing, not next week, next episode, we're going to be discussing To All a Good Night, the first of the Killer Santa movies. There's more than one? Is this really the first? I think it's, <laughs> it's at least very early in the genre. It's pre-Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that. And thank you so much for listening. Down in the workshop, all the elves are making toys for the good Gentile girls and the good Gentile boys. When the boss busted in, nearly scared him half to death. Had a rifle in his hands and cheap whiskey on his breath. From his beard to his boots, he was covered with ammo. Like a big fat drunk, disgruntled, yuletide Rambo. And he smiled as he said, with a twinkle in his eye, Merry Christmas to all, now you're all gonna die.